what makes you think it was murder? Poison, of course. The politician's preferred method. Found a chemical in his bloodstream, killed him right away. It's an obvious case. Politicians always have something to hide, and it always comes back to haunt them. Am I right? Oh, look who I'm asking. Room full of politicians. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Padme's uncle Anaconda is murdered and Padme doesn't trust the law to deliver justice, so she takes it into her own hands. So teaming up with her good friend Bail Organa, Padme's search for the killer leads to a shocking conclusion. The killer was in their midst all along. Hey, Tubes, it's your old buddy Bucho. On my first ever watch of The Clone Wars, next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of The Clone Wars, he's the uncle Anaconda to my Padme? <laughs> Mr. Trusty Bell Robbie. Greetings. I don't know if that one really works, especially given what happens in this episode, Robbie, but we are going to talk about the 55th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's season two, episode 15. So this is the episode that originally aired before 2.16, which was Cat and Mouse, the very first episode of Clone Wars I ever watched, only a couple of months ago. And 2.15 is called Senate Murders. So Robbie... How about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week? Uh, this one, like many of the episodes that are sort of like a sideline to the main story, I didn't remember exactly what went down and how, but I remembered certain things happening. You know, spoiler alert, you know, Uncle Ono meeting his end. I knew that happened in this one. I couldn't remember exactly how the rest of it went down, but as soon as I saw... Uh, meek little Lolo. I remembered what happened there. Um, but other than that, I mean, it just, a lot of it didn't immediately come to my mind. Yeah, it's funny what you say about meek little Lolo. I didn't pick up on that immediately, but there does come a point where you think, wait a minute, yeah. I know what's going to happen here. And this episode is another one of those where it feels like it's based on another movie or another TV episode. It's obviously some sort of detective story. And I can't pinpoint a specific movie or a specific TV episode that's on. Could you pin it back to anything that is maybe paying tribute to? Not specifically, but of course we get to see Lieutenant Devo again. And this time he was much more of a an interesting character. And I actually found him quite funny. But he's got this... This weird flair going on, you know, he's always yeah. kind of motioning with his arms about, you know, well, you know, we got this. And it just reminds me of like a like an old 40s detective or police person that's, I don't even know what, what it is based on. It's got to be based on something, but I just don't know what it is. It's not something that I'm completely aware of because it's reminiscent of that kind of era of, I guess, TV shows and films. Yeah, Inspector Tanivos Tandivo, he reminded me a bit of Joe Friday from Dragnet. I don't know if you remember Dragnet. Mm -hmm. That's who he reminded me of. And we have seen him before in a previous episode, but I didn't catch his name in the past. He wasn't really a character the last time we found him. Yeah. But here he is, kind of in all his glory. He's voiced by Tom Kenny, who also voices Newt Gunray and Greedo, and also played poor young Nadavib in Lear of Grievous. And I remember remarking in that episode that it was surprising how well he did at sounding so young, because I think he's 
born in maybe 65 or 68 or something. And here I love his voice as well. The performance that he gives here is maybe my favorite comic performance in the show so far. I mean, you said you thought he was funny and I love this guy so much. I want I want a, I want a spin-off just of Inspector Tandivo inspecting Robbie. I mean, the, would you go as far as to say you want this guy to have his own maybe 12-episode spin-off show? Yeah, it would be very interesting to see if, if they could pull something like that off because it's that classic... Like I said, that that classic, you know, murder mystery kind of guy who comes in and and he's just kind of lining out all the details, all the little the little hints and clues he's found along the way, and he's trying to put somebody in a corner and say, well, you know, you were the one that never came around, and you know what I mean? He just, yeah. he just has that kind of flair that it's just a lot of fun. It's it's a fun way of bringing something new to Star Wars that's definitely been around in you know in our world for a long, long time. Yeah, I enjoy the way they sort of walk a line with him between him being incompetent and actually knowing what he's doing. Because at the start, it seems like he might be this kind of buffoon and he's dismissing things which we think he shouldn't dismiss. But at the end, he actually does some decent detective work and he comes to the wrong conclusion because he doesn't pick up that, of course, there was another Rodian in the room and it's Padme who puts it all together. But he's not a complete buffoon like he is... Like we said in the previous episode about being thankful that Lux Bonteri didn't fall easily into a stereotype. They do a similar thing with Tan and Avos, Tan Devo, where he's where he manages to avoid being completely predictable and not fitting into a stereotype. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun the way he like presents the evidence. You know, when he's got everybody yeah. kind of in the room. There's a yeah. there's a show that when he's got an audience, right? It's all a show for him. He's very performative, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's like he. When he's one-on-one, he's much more business-like. But for some reason, when he's got a bunch of people around him, he starts this big act, and it's this big... It's almost like a show that he's putting on, which is... Uh, it's just a lot of fun to, to watch. I mean, it's it's so different than what we've... What we're used to, at least to, in Star Wars. Do we see... Who do we see him one-on-one with? Well, I was just thinking, like, when he's, get, when he's got a smaller crowd. Like, when he's talking with Bale and Padme... At the docks, right? You know, he's not as he's not as flamboyant and as this flair going on and being showy. He's much right. more to the point. But then, you know, when he's in the Senate, you know, and he's got Palpatine around and he's got you know all these people around, he's definitely uh, putting on more of a show. And of course, someone else we also meet in this episode is the Senator Medici and also Senator Halle Bertoni, who we did get to know a little bit about in the previous episode, although. It's only previous because we're doing the chronological order. In the original right. release order, I guess this was the first time these two characters were introduced. Yep. It would, it would be, right? I think so. And, and of course, we saw him in the Pursuit of Peace episode, Medici, with this Dracula-esque voice. And he didn't seem like too bad a guy then. But here he opens by accusing Padme of being unpatriotic by trying to forge peace. And we get a lot more of an idea of what sort of person the Senator Medici is, Robbie. And his office is so red. How did you like that office? His office is super red and also somehow so shadowy with those louver slats or whatever they are. And actually those horizontal shadows helped give the episode that sort of 40s detective show vibe, right? Exactly. And I think it plays into, you know, his design. You know, his design is definitely more of a almost, you know... Dracula? A Dracula-esque character, yeah. yeah. And I his mean, voice. His, you know, he's very pale, and he's got the sunken eyes, and, you know, he's got to stay out of the light, all that kind of stuff. It just plays into the design of the character. But yeah, we did see him in the previous episode, but he was definitely much more of a side character, and here we get to actually see a little bit more of him. And I don't know, it was, 
one of those characters where you're like, okay, this is a strange character, but what I li- one of the things that I really liked about the way that this episode unfolded is, you know, not everybody is exactly what you peg them to be, which, you know, was just kind of interesting to, to see, you know. And, and it's sort of playing into that murder mystery kind of idea, too. Yeah, and someone else who turns out to not be 100% who we thought it was Senator Hallie Bertoni in this episode. And we see a lot more of her too. And she doesn't play very nice either. She's in Padme's office, kind of trash-talking Padme at one point. And not not interested in any sort of diplomacy or playing nice or being friends. And she's generally kind of a nasty piece of work. But of course, it turns out she's not so nasty. She's out there murderizing people like as we eventually find out one of Padme and Uncle Anaconda's nearest and dearest was doing. But I really enjoy how alien these Kaminoans look with their long, crazy necks. I mean, and their eyes, is, they have those eyes that where their their eyes are just kind of freaky too. So, I mean, are you a fan of the design of these Kaminoans, Robbie? Oh, yeah. I, I have been ever since episode two. I, I just always liked, well, of course, I was a big fan of Camino in general. You know, I liked the water planet and the very almost sterile doctor's office kind of design to their buildings. And I just really, really like them. But the way that they move, too, is almost almost like your stereotypical, you know, alien gray. The way they walk and they're so, they're graceful, you know, almost a, yeah. it's almost a, like a dance. But I just, I don't know. They kind of float, right? Yeah, I just... They seem to float around. I really, really like their design, for sure. I mean, it's really, really cool looking. And both of these voice performances, I thought, were were a cut above. Jamila McMillan plays Hallie Bertoni, and she does a real good voice with this older sort of Kaminoan than we've seen before. And Gideon Emery is the one who was playing Medici, doing that Dracula thing, and is apparently an English-born actor who has done stage work in South Africa and is also... The voice of Senator Lot Dodd, who we haven't seen for a while, but he's done other work on the Clone Wars. And we should talk about the good guys too, Robbie, because Uncle Anaconda here, as we've mentioned, the episode doesn't go so well for him. And early in the episode, Uncle Anaconda says, after all the mistakes I've made, peace is what matters now. And he's and he mentions it again in Padme's office after the speech. And it started to become clear that he wasn't going to make it out of this episode. But I wasn't expecting him to depart so soon. I guess I should have, given the name of the episode and given how hard they were sort of leaning into him having this past and having all these flaws. And I guess being in the middle of a redemptive phase where he was pushing through this very important bill. But, you know, we've seen we've seen the first time we meet him, we see how flawed he is. He's trying to sell Padme to the Separatists. <laughs> but how did you feel about Uncle Anaconda in this episode, Robbie? Well, I mean, it's sort of a, a tragic thing. You know, it's like finally, you know, he comes around, he has this change of heart, and then he gets taken out. And then uh, I actually found his uh, the, the way that they did the funeral was actually quite moving and it was a it was actually a very neat way the i guess the the canopy i guess you could say turns translucent and then it goes opaque right i just i don't know it was just kind of a neat i don't know little design detail that i i I appreciated then of course you know the the procession you know into the ship and then and then as the ship flies away it was just like wow that was actually that was actually pretty nice. That was that was pretty cool, you know. And, and for them to take the time to show that was kind of interesting too. But then again, you get that character moment with Lolo that she's, you know, oh, what am I gonna do and right. all this stuff. So I don't know. It was just, it was just it was you know. I'm sorry to see him go. I think he's one of those where you know he's sort of uh, one of Padme's old confidants, you know, that now she doesn't have anymore. But it, uh, it was an interesting uh, interesting way for him to go out too. 
Yeah, was this the first funeral we've seen in the Clone Wars so far? I think it is, right? I think so. It was interesting to see that the way that they laid all that out. But something we have seen before in the Clone Wars is Padme rolling her sleeves up, getting into the action, Robbie. When stuff needs to be done, Padme has that. If you need something done right, you've got to do it yourself. And of course, when Padme and the gang are in her office and Padme's trying to convince them that they should begin their own investigation, she says, We'll have a far easier time looking into this than... Detective Tandivas. Can you hear that eye roll in my voice? Yeah. I should be doing it. Detective, there's, I mean, I remember back in Bombad Jedi, probably my second favorite part of the episode, apart from the spinning back kick, was Padme's eye roll. She's got a strong eye roll game, and it's super on point here, just as it was in Bombad Jedi. How did you like Padme jumping into action in this episode, Robbie? Well, it was actually really interesting that uh, I, I guess this is, again, one of those details I didn't remember is that not only Padme gets involved, which she seems to almost involve herself in things that are kind of way beyond, you know, what she would typically do. But anyway, she also gets Bale involved, which was a, a big surprise, too, because I've never, I, to my knowledge, I don't remember Bale ever being involved in something like this. And then on top of that, he gets to wear a turtleneck. I mean, you know, what's, I mean, <laughs> it, it was just a, it was a strange thing because it's, it didn't seem to really go anywhere, but... I mean, you know, that's a mystery for you, right? Yeah, this part of the episode also felt like it was paying tribute to some other detective thing, although it felt more like one of those TV police procedurals, like a Law and Order or maybe a SVU or MC, what is it, MCM, NCIS? Yeah. Yeah. One of those sort of things, right? And yeah, this time they full on pair up, and I've loved Bale in the past. I mean, we both have been fans of Bale for being so solid, but here he's kind of doubting our girl Padme here, and he suggests that she's diving into this dangerous investigation to try to bury her grief at Uncle Anaconda's loss. So it's kind of a new sight to see Bale not being 100% supportive and maybe questioning Padme's motives. Well, to me, I mean, I think that's, number one, I think that comes from a from a good place, a place of he cares for her. Sure. But at the same time, he may be right. You know, she may not be wanting to get involved in these sorts of things. I mean, I mean, you're basically talking about your typical, almost like it's a the trope, right? You find right. some of these clues at the docks. You know what yeah. I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. it's very dangerous for you know a young senator to be running around trying to solve a murder. You know, it's just it's it's uh, it is very strange, and and it's actually good of Bale to point that out because it is it is outside the norm. You know, I thought it was fun how it was showing him out of his element and in a way it was almost speaking more to his fear at being in that situation. He was creeped out. He was like, I don't think, I don't know if we should be around here. Yeah. And so he's trying to, he's almost trying to project his own fear under Padme. And she says at one point, what does she say? Something like, yes, you've mentioned that a few times now, Bale. Yeah. You, you know, have, have I mentioned, he says something like, have I mentioned that this is out of our jurisdiction or something she says yes you have mentioned that a few times now and there was a kind of cute little moment between the two of them and of course during that chase at the docks bale even has his very own oh be careful scene robbie where bale hangs one handed over the edge of that massive drop where does that sit on the four star oh be careful robbie scale i'd say that's about a three it's not it's not like terrible but i i think it's the the idea of having something that you're almost suspended over something like a tightrope or you know what I mean that's the right. kind of stuff that makes me nervous but you know hanging off the side of a building yeah that's old hat but uh and having a you <laughs> it know doesn't look fun though yeah no and it's one of those things where it's like you know there, there really is just a lot of damage 
yeah. being just haphazardly done just all over the place when when any anytime we're telling a clone war story somebody something's going to get damaged and then it was kind of funny because the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, I hope that container doesn't fall on anyone. And then they yeah. actually show the shot of, of it falling and it, and it not, you know, people being like freaked out by it, but nobody gets hurt. So that was nice. Yeah, that's that's almost more of an Obi careful scene than Bale hanging off yeah. the edge because we know he's going to be all right eventually, whereas below any sort of carnage could happen. And yeah, that's a pretty effective moment, I thought, too. And speaking of effective moments, Robbie, let's talk about our favorite shots of the episode. What was your favorite shot of Senate murders? My favorite shot is actually during that scene. It's the establishing shot of the docks. I think it's because I just found it really interesting that, you know, for some reason when I think docks, I think of your traditional, you know, you've got your landmass and you've got the docks jutting out from the water, right? You right. know, like perpendicular to the land, right? Here you've got literally just a ring and it was a lot messier than i would have expected star wars to be you know what i mean it was just that establishing shot was just really interesting because it just got a bunch of things rolling in my head because it was it was just like a platform yeah and there was just containers everywhere and they were almost uh in concentric circles i don't know if that makes sense but you know what i mean and right. but it was still kind of messy which i kind of liked and it was just not what i expected it was one of those things that Star Wars is so good at doing, right? Where it feels lived in. It feels like a real operating yeah. dockyard, right? Yeah, I, like, I enjoy a good dock as well, Robbie. I mean, especially <laughs> living in a... I mean, you got to come visit one day and come and uh, hang out in, in this city because obviously pretty much every city in New Zealand is basically a coastal city. And so we've got docks galore, man. So when you finally make it, it will go. And there's actually, in Auckland, there's actually like a lookout where you can park above the docks and just watch the docks operate. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people will go there and eat their lunch, you know, because it's right in the city there. Drive up to the lookout, just watch the cranes driving these containers around unloading ships and what have you it's it's pretty fun it's kind of soothing you know because you're not down there doing the work you just you know watching other people work can be fun so <laughs> i don't know if you find that but docks are just a, a cool and fascinating place and i this is why there's so many movie scenes and tv show scenes set in docks you know there's something about them they're dynamic there's a whole bunch of heavy things around so there's always a little bit of danger and yeah they're a real good place to set action but my favorite shot of the episode speaking of action was just after Padme knocks the little blaster out of Lolo's hand. We get a shot of the gun on the floor, and then a shot of Lolo looking at Padme in surprise, and then that's when my favorite shot of the episode happens, and it's Padme with her game face on and her fist cocked, and behind her are the other senators and the cops, and that big window looking out on the Coruscant cityscape beyond. So although we don't get any Padme spinning kicks in this episode, Robbie, we get a real good right cross, and that was my favorite shot of the episode. And so we don't learn that Padme can take care of herself in this episode, Robbie, because we already knew that. But we maybe did learn a couple of other things. So what did you learn from Senate murders? Well, I think the most important thing is that if, if you're going to poison a bunch of people, you might at least pretend to drink. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not completely obvious that you were the one that did it. Yeah, sure. And to be fair to Lolo, she seemed to learn that lesson. I mean, I think she even says, oh, I should have pretended to drink, doesn't she? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, the I next time up. I poison people, I'll remember. Yeah. yeah, and so along the same lines, the lesson that I take away from this episode is that if you're a Rodian, don't drink poison that kills Rodians. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I think we can all learn from that, especially if we're Rodian. We definitely can. Unfortunately, a little bit too late from Uncle Ono. But the rest of us, we can take that lesson <laughs> and it can hopefully enhance the rest of our lives. So let's sum up and put our ratings on Senate Murders, Robbie. Where does Senate Murders sit on that four-star Robbie scale? 
I'm I'm I keep going back and forth. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a three, and a three out of four. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think Lieutenant Devo is worthy of seeing this episode. It's a yeah. fun episode. It's something that breaks up the uh, the. I mean, because look, we've got a lot of story coming. You know, there's a lot of sure. cool arcs coming on the way. This is a fun little distraction episode. It's a good one. I enjoyed it. There you go. Yeah, I'm pretty much right with you, Robbie. I've got this at seven. Uh, what should we call it? Seven. Seven falling containers out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's, seven, it's seven falling dock containers out of ten. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty much on the same track as you. I really dug Dan Devo, and I generally tend to prefer the episodes where at least a lightsaber comes out at some point, but there's none of those in this episode. But the episode is really solid. Like, the storytelling is solid, the filmmaking is solid, and, you know, Dan Devo is just fun. If I was going to paint it for anything, it's not enough Dan Devo, maybe. Yep. And like we said, maybe... You know, one day, now that Disney Plus has got its own channel, maybe they're looking for spinoffs, and there's a winner right there, right? Staring them right in the face. So, that's Mission Accomplished for Season 2, Episode 15, Senate Murders. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Sure, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 56th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's season three, episode 12, Night Sisters. And until then, this is your old buddy Mucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.